that was altogether a little bit more jolly than the equivalent game a week before. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, mm. 3-0 victory, Ollie's skin saved. I don't know how close he was to getting the boot. I mean, it depends who you believe, really. But um, he needed that. I, I wasn't actually surprised that, that there was more intensity. If there wasn't more intensity, that would have been a massive red flag. I mean, you know, but it's still... I couldn't help but think, and this might just be my cynical take, um, and, you know, we'll get onto the details, but I couldn't help but think you pull out a performance like that when you really need to, you're cheating your manager, to coin a phrase. Yeah? Why isn't that the normal level of performance? And I, I mean, I kind of mean the intensity of it, you know, and organisation. And I, I guess the defensive part of it was helped by, one, Tottenham being absolutely dreadful, and two, three at the back, five at the back, um, giving United that extra man for when Tottenham did get into some advanced positions. Not very often, though, I have to say. So. Yeah, and all three of those midfielders can, all three of those centre backs can step out into central midfield as well. And so there just wasn't the situation as much where there were just massive gaps because the team felt a lot more compacted defensively. So I know what you mean when you say cheating the manager. And it's something, you know, we've, you've talked about it with Chelsea and like various different things over the over the years. The the one thing about this that, that I think is, I think it's a slightly unfair label to give the players is that, first of all, the players have bailed this manager out time and time and time and time and time again. It's true. And yes. and one of the reasons they were able to put in a performance of this intensity, I don't believe that there's a single player in that side who wanted to win this game more than they wanted to beat Liverpool at home at Old Trafford. I I, I wonder whether they, they were able to give that intensity because they had a structure that made sense to them. Yeah, well, perhaps, yeah. I mean, you know, it made sense to, in particular, Harry Maguire, to cover for some of his deficiencies, which have been exposed rather brutally in the last three games. Um, fitness, you know, as well as those deficiencies. And for Ronaldo, who needed someone closer to him, but not too close to him. So he had a partner in Cavani and, and Bruno in between the lines, um, which doesn't happen as much in in the uh, 43-1 system. So, um, sure, yes, absolutely. You know, greater solidity at the back and, and cater to Ronaldo's needs. We'll see whether that's a one-off. I kind of suspect, Solskjaer being Solskjaer, this will not be a one-off and this will be the system we play at Atalanta because you'd expect them to be with, uh, I assume, some returning players a bit stronger and, uh, and at home and then City next weekend. And then we'll see after that because I think it might be the international break after that. Um, but yeah, if he can get through those two games, then he's bought himself some more time, which he's managed to do in his three years. You know, there's been, as he talked about before the game, there have been several crises while he's been in charge. So um, the the sacrifice, of course, is, you know, we had Sancho, Greenwood and Rashford all on the bench. I was going to say Van der Beek for a minute then, but um, he's basically dead at this stage, isn't he? You know, he won't be used, doesn't matter what happens. Um, and, and so... And all to cater for, you know, again, Ronaldo's needs. Um, so it doesn't feel like a long-term strategy. And the other thing, yeah, this is the last meta point I'll make, which is that's a wild change from, you know, what was an attempt, very poor attempt at a high-pressing 4-2-3-1, more of a possession-based system against Leicester and Liverpool, particularly poor against those two, a bit more open to, to give, you know, to make the pitch wider, going to a low-block 5 
2-1-2 type system, very, very congested in midfield and defensive areas and very narrow, you know, and, and it made it a lot more solid defensively. Spurs didn't have a shot on target. Um, but uh, that's that's a mega change. And I just couldn't help but think, oh, at this stage, what is volleyball? Is it just reacting game by game? And, and fine, maybe you can get on a cup run doing that. Maybe you could get into fourth place given the competition around you, but you're never going to win a major big pots doing that i don't think so i i don't um overtly disagree with anything that you said at all there but i do think there's there's a couple of things that i that are almost kind of counter arguments in a way which is one not about the overall guiding philosophy of olive ball because i i think it's been abundantly clear right from the beginning that that was reactive and uh, as adaptive and all those kinds of things and i think he would be quite pleased to be called adaptive you know in that way and i I think it's a i do think it's a mistake to try and set up an elite team in that way because of how no elite team's ever been set up that way well not ever but since you know since 2012 13 um and uh and which was a very adaptive team by the way in that league season he dramatic ferguson dramatically changed the style of play to accommodate the weaknesses in the squad and shore things up when it felt like he we had our noses in front of the title race um but the 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 switch to three at the back i i know what you mean when you say it's to accommodate Maguire and ronaldo and of course that's literally especially Ronaldo literally true but Ronaldo's there he's going to play every game so the manager I mean now that the Ronaldo's been signed you have to accommodate Ronaldo so that's almost like priority number one for the whole thing which it shouldn't be because we should never have signed Ronaldo but now that you have why wouldn't you try and get the best out of him because the best is this extraordinary level of yeah and, so, and so I get that logic for sure, and and we'll come on to details. But you know, he kind of proved that point, didn't he, with the with his first goal? So yeah, and, and anyway, um, finish your point. Finish your point. Yeah, um, yeah, no, just um, the the you've got to have a system that works for him, and the the, the criticism that's been levelled at Solskjaer time and time again, and uh, often not incorrectly, and occasionally slightly overstatedly, is no tactics, just vibes, and. To be fair, he's looked at the team, looked at what's not working, made a tactical shift and won 3-0. I feel like going, oh, you haven't got any back uh, backbone to stick behind the system that wasn't working. Why aren't you? I know th- I know that's obviously not what you're doing, but it's like um, the fact that it's a wild swing in the other direction is is true, but it was, uh, it was smart and effective. Although sure, sure, it was quite effective that- for this game. But the, the thing that... Um- the other thing, sorry, that was like top of mind thinking about the move to this system is there were just too many defensive players and or too many players that, that aren't that comfortable on the ball. Now, you know, the back three, as you mentioned, they're happy to pop out into midfield, varying levels of quality in, in terms of their range of passing, I'd say, you know. I mean, we could talk all, about them all being good, but any, any of Maguire and Lindelof gets pressed and they panic very quickly, right? <laughs> sure, Tottenham sure, sure. are not that team. Yeah. At all, they don't press even in their own box, as we saw. Um, and uh, so, you know, there's varying levels of comfort there. But if, if as often happened in this game, United had a four of Shaw, McTominay, Fred, and Wambazaka, with with you know three ahead of them basically, and they had a lot of the ball. That four, 
Um, and there's, you know, there's definitely a limited a range of attacking possibilities coming out that far, which, which is why I kind of bring myself again. I'm sorry, I'm making a, a larger point here. If we persist with this system, it feels like too many, and one of Fred and McTominay for sure could probably be sacrificed, and maybe in Wambazaka because he's absolutely world class in one on one defensive situations, as we saw with an amazing block. And he's absolutely dreadful in forward positions every single time. It's just a, it, you, you can just let him have it as an opposition because he's going to do nothing with it. Anyway, oh, one of the, one of the things that I, th- I think this system, one of the players this system could also accommodate is Pogba. So you could play Pogba in place of McTominay in that in that side. Not I, some people. I heard some people say you could put Pogba in for Fred. It's like Fred is on a different planet to McTominay. <laughs> like McTominay is, I I, I don't want to attack the man's character because you know he clearly loves the game. But either either he is um, really bad at reading systemic patterns of play. Or he doesn't want the ball. You know, it's one of the two because he's behind. He's between the. He, he puts a defender between him and. Well, he puts an attacking player between him and the defender on the ball. Like a pressing player is often in the lane to try and get the ball to McTominay, and it happens time after time after time after time. It's very strange. But anyway, yeah. Uh, I mean, he he. McGraw, in in a in a in an ideal world, McTominay would be a, a very useful squad player. And and one that's developing, but is short of of you know real elite status. Fred, I mean, he's got a lot to him, hasn't he? He's got a lot to him. He's in the Brazilian team at the moment for a reason. And and if only he was not so casual with the ball, he yeah. could become a very good player for United. But and, and but the, it's an if only we've been looking at for quite a long time. Absolutely. Well, there's so many, aren't there? I mean, Pogba. If only we could find a way to get a system around him that worked for him, et cetera, et cetera. But the the thing with um, Fred and being casual on ball is is the back three does offer you an extra level of solidity and in in if the ball gets turned over, which is, I don't and know. And it, it, it did yesterday. And, there were times when the three of them were narrow in front of United's goal and, you know, uh, a cross came in, missed the first man and, and Varane cleared it up. You know, it, yeah. it gave United... A, a third man in a very narrow formation. It was it was much more secure. And and the other player that it potentially benefits at the moment is Luke Shaw, who's having a pretty torrid season. And it means that his defensive mistakes make again are covered up for and all the good stuff he does going forward, which is is continued to be yeah. progressive and positive minded and all those kinds of things. And his starting position is fifteen or twenty yards further forward, which helps that attacking bit yeah 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 Yeah, exactly so on on the other side though I mean I you know if I was looking at that and I was Oli Solskjaer I'd be thinking well you know we've got that extra defensive cover and we've got three defenders and two sitting in front of them that's a lot of defensive cover does Wan-Bissaka offer enough going forward to justify his place in the team yeah but it's I mean apart from you play Dallow there that's that's you know um that's the only real option and you know he's he has something about him going forward on the right, on the right. Um, not, not so much on the left, Diogo, sorry. Um, but the the you have one less defensive cover if you swap out McTominay and put Pogba in there. And then, sure. then the balance of that side kind of makes a degree of sense. But the thing that doesn't make sense, of course, is that the squad isn't built for it. The squad is built to play 4-2-3-1 because we are talking about 
players of the standard and caliber whatever you, wherever you place these three players in particular the standard and caliber of greenwood rashford and jaden sancho are we really saying as a club um okay we're going to make a system the only way we can get a system that works is if these three are all essentially bit part players yeah or i mean at least in the case of greenwood and rashford they can play through the center and and um, I mean, although Ronaldo is basically going to play every game until we're in the Conference League or whatever it is when we drop out into the Europa, which is a real possibility. Um, Cavani might not. I mean, he hasn't done this season. Um, so there's a chance that Jaden Sancho doesn't fit anywhere in this system. The other, the other absolutely mad thing about it is that Cavani is the last player in the entire squad you should, the entire team that you should drop in this system, because he is. I mean, we saw the the difference it makes to the press yeah. to have Edinson Cavani up there. The difference it makes the movement off the ball that Edinson Cavani particularly brings, the, that the space that Cavani will create for Ronaldo. My goodness gracious me, and and you know like that is a I. I Listen, I, I know some listeners will hate me for saying this and don't worry, you've only got another month to put up with it. Um, I Cristiano Ronaldo is literally one of my least favourite footballers of all time. Like he, he does and kind of never has really done anything for me. Like very early Ronaldo was super exciting, but as soon as he became the kind of ego monster Ronaldo... For me, there was like a, a a huge disconnect between what an extraordinarily destructive and effective player he was and how I felt about him in a like positive sure. and warm sense. And, but, and, and his but destructiveness, having, uh, sorry, go, uh, just, just going to say his destructiveness in that leads to a sphere of goal scoring and, and not much else, which he scored, what, seven now for United this season? That's a lot of goals and, that, and a lot was of all, not great pers- performances as a result. It, it was... All build up to saying, if you've got Ronaldo in your squad, why the hell wouldn't you do everything you can to make a system that works for having Ronaldo in your and squad? And that's, the thing... that's what they're going to do, I think. Yeah, so. and and the reason that that's worth doing is the productivity you will get out of this player is absolutely unbelievable. Like, his career is a testament to the power of productivity and he's adapted and changed all the way through his career and this late late the, the end of his career that we're watching the, the 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 final chapter of his career will continue to be categorized by a capacity that no one else in the squad can match not even Cavani for um sheer ability to put the blooming ball in the back of the blooming net like yes. this guy his nose for goal is I mean, it might be, it might be, there might never have been anyone ever who was better at putting the ball in the back of the net than Ronaldo. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's, it's a nice segue. Let's talk about his first goal because, I mean, this was, this was something special, wasn't it? The, the ball from Bruno, who's drifted out to the left. And, and it also, actually, I think it's fair to say this system does help Bruno get yes, into those half spaces between the four behind him and and the two in front of him. It does help him, undoubtedly, right? He doesn't need to go deeper searching for the ball. Anyway, so he's drifted to the left in that half space. And it's an absolutely magnificent pass. Oh, I mean, incredible. I'm assuming he's thinking Ronaldo's going to try and cut one back. I mean, instead, instead Ronaldo pulls off a, a worldy volley um, into a tiny fraction of space past Lloris, who can't have been thinking he was going to shoot. Or maybe, I, I guess you have to assume... 
it's Ronaldo on the ball. He's always going to shoot. <laughs> He's yeah. very effective at finding space to shoot for himself. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's just an absolutely stunning finish. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it came after a period of United pressure and build up. And it, it's weird to discuss this game because, you know, I'm I'm being reasonably like positive about the manager's decision and all these kinds of things. I we won three nil at an absolute canter. Spurs were dreadful. dreadful. I mean when and we I joked about Nuno being like mini Mourinho. He absolutely is. I mean he sucked everything out of this team, all the good stuff. You know, where you get Son and Kane and Mora. Bergvine or, you know, whatever combination it is, pushing forward. Deli Alli's now out the side, not trusted. I mean, he's not the first manager that's not trusted Deli Alli. Um, he played Skip and Hoiberg, who are even more limited than McFred. I mean, significantly more limited than McFred. I mean, just it's if there's no ambition at all. I mean, Harry Kane is basically now a midfielder. They they turn they must be regretting turning down 120 million. For now, uh, yeah, he's a he's a decent midfielder, but you know, he's not going to score thirty goals from midfield, is he? <laughs> I mean, no, he's not. Uh, it, and he's kind of forced into being a midfielder by Skip and Hoiberg being there. Have we found a uh, Have we found a, a holding too that we wouldn't swap McFred for? <laughs> I think we have that. Well, and Celso as well, who came with, and you know, I'd seen him a few times before actually, and at um, Betis, and I thought, hey, he's a creative player. He looks kind of interesting, uh, you know adaptation for a small guy um, into the Premier League may, ch- may be challenging. But, I mean, he was disappointing as well, you know? Lo Celso I give a huge pass to because he arrived to, to play for Maurizio Pochettino in one of the most exciting teams in the world and uh, then found himself a, a, a creative, slightly mercurial attacking midfielder being managed by, you know. like... No, not Nuno. Mourinho. Nuno is Nuno is the aftershock. Mourinho is the earthquake. <laughs> like he now he's like trying to get back on his feet, and Nuno keeps like speaking a slightly Portuguese accent, and he's getting bad PTSD flashbacks. Right, but, but, but the other no. thing that was weird about Nuno's selection is you know Reguilon is is very very good going forward. You know question marks about his defending and all of that, but he he gives Spurs an outlet, and Ben Davis is like you know he's solid enough. Lost Ronaldo for the United's opening goal though, mind you, um, but offers pretty much nothing going forward. So they've got, they've got, you know, and I've, I've just, you know, spent 10 minutes critiquing United setup in a 3-0 win. So, you know, I, I understand where there may be some pushback. I mean, Tottenham basically had the same blueprint. It was just <laughs> and really yeah. weird. <laughs> and he's so, yeah, and, and the bad. other one who couldn't, you know, the other change maker um, that he didn't have is because Underbelly, who's you know again had an in and out Spurs career, but he can he can pull off a long range shot. He's got a range of passing that's superior. I mean, yeah, it's like like this is a United side just been absolutely destroyed by Leicester and then Liverpool. And Nuno's thought process was not I'm going to go for them, but I'm a bit scared. Yeah, it's it, and and you know in a way you could say okay, well they've got these players of this extraordinary quality, and if we if we really, really leave spaces in behind, we could be in big trouble. But then you see the starting eleven, and you go, well, what? Because Cavani's getting... I mean, that did literally happen. The yes. one time they left spaces <laughs> in behind, was that the second goal? That's the second um, goal, yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, the, the it's not like 
Rashford, Greenwood, Sancho are the front three in this game. No, he may, maybe oh maybe he was thinking Greenwood be in the side or something. You know, <laughs> but, um, I've just really I've just really annoyed myself by imagining the season we would be having if Rashford, Greenwood, and Sancho was up front three. Anyway, I, I know it all hey. changed on what the end of August. You know, two days before uh, the transfer was, window, the the plans all changed. Yeah, the second goal uh, you mentioned, Bruno Bruno robs someone. I forget who he robs, but it was yeah. it was good pressure, wasn't it? And um, feeds it out to. Ronaldo who does the Ronaldo chop and completely destroys I think it's Ben Davis again isn't it um feeds the ball through and it's just a a beautiful finish from Cavani movement the the curved run the bent run to beat the defender and then the finish uh, it's just quality yeah it's it was both of those first two goals are just such a outstanding level of individual quality from all all involved and and this is the kind of game why when when the wheels were coming off and I was thinking, oh, was I way too bold to say we're easily going to get into the Champions League even if we have a bad season? This is the kind of game where you're like, I think we're going to get into the Champions League even if we have a bad season because we'll have enough games where... And, you know, there was... So there was there was talk in the press before the game that I, I saw, which was um, the board feel there's still enough backing for Solskjaer within the dressing room that then it's not going to negatively affect the performance to have him in the dressing room. And, and that... You know, is is a pretty. I mean, you are seriously damning with faint praise at this point, <laughs> yes. aren't you? But, um, but you know, it is something. And 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 there's been all sorts coming out this week. I mean, there's loads of chat about Conte. We talked we talked about managerial options last time. Um, Pochettino happy in Paris. It's all you know. The, well, who knows what's going to happen next? But if Solskjaer, if we beat Atalanta, I would say that's him. At, l- at least another kind of four or five games before it really hits crisis point. Although having said that, I, I do think at any time we lose three games on the bounce, it- it's going to get to serious crisis point here. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to Atlanta and then City and, and we'll, we'll see if he can stave off the crisis again. But yeah, beat, beat Atlanta probably heading through the Champions League. That, that keeps him in job till February, March, probably at least. Um, I think so. And then, and then likely to the end of the season, if United are within a sniff of the top four and, you know, f- fifth now. Same points as Arsenal, who we've mocked all season and all last season. You sent that meme, that infinite Arteta Solskjaer paradox meme, and it's just so funny it's, to me. It's, okay. it's, I mean, it's like, just on point, isn't it? Ex- exactly. The two of them are compared to each other often and mocked by the other group of fans often and backed by certain people often and it's uh, yes. it's all very tribal and they're having a very similar experience. I, I, I do I do not take part in any of that chatter on the internet um about whether social is in or out or whatever because uh, I just I can't bear it. It's basically United fans fighting each other. Uh, yeah, yeah two, two, uh, you know, two angry men shouting each other on the internet is the history of the internet, isn't it? And it's you know we've now found business models that amplify that and and scale it up. <laughs> How, why this is the mistake that we've always made commercially speaking, and it like we've we we, we we were called rank cast. We had such an in to do that, yeah. and instead we're like, oh, let's have let's have mindful conversation and try and you know use some intellect and think about these things reasonably dispassionately. I know, I know. Damn it. I, I, we, yeah, we messed it up. Anyway, um, at, at what point was it that Ronaldo scored the absolute banger of an offside goal? Was it after he got his first or after Cavani's? After he'd got his first, but Cavani hadn't scored right. yet, it would have made it too. What a, I, I mean, what I'm, a, unbelievable finish. I was going to say, like, his first goal wasn't his best goal of the day. I know. Like, that's, that second goal that will 
be I mean he was clearly offside wasn't like a a tight varish no you know, no thin he, lines he was, he was yeah he was a very thick line away from being onside so uh, but what a goal but, but yeah most players would try and what dink it over the keeper the keeper in go around the keeper no I'm just going to lash one into the top corner <laughs> it's um it's it should the Mkhitaryan scorpion kick rule should be applied to this goal like a goal that good should not be ruled out for something as petty as being a few yards I offside. I think that's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah. Can't be offside yeah. if you score from outside the box. There you go. I, I think that... <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. What a good rule. Great rule. Great rule. Legitimate. Like, seriously, what's the downside of that rule? Well, no, you have people hanging around the D, I suppose, who so would spread the game out somewhat. But, yeah. Yeah. That's not a but bad But you have to I'm, shoot I'm, from I'm... outside the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The goal has to it has to be shot yeah. from outside the box. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it can't be offside. Maybe let's specify if you sh- if it's scored from outside the box and hit the underside of the bar, then then any offside is like not that's <laughs> extra point for underside not, of the bar. Yeah, exactly. All righty. Um, who, who scored Marcus the third Rashford. goal? Oh, yes, yeah. scoring. Happy birthday as as we record this to a young king, twenty four years old. 24 he's so young he's 20 years younger than me and more than 20 years younger than you not not just, putting just, your stuff on just blast. age shame me there go on yeah sorry um hey listen we live in a youth obsessed society there's nothing wrong with aging um the uh apart from the aches and pains and stuff but you can do stuff about them anyway um the the Rashford goal was lovely and it was it was he nice he seems to score that nice goal every after... week at the moment he's got three since he came back now and that, yep. that feels like well he scored the identical goal the week before didn't he um or yeah when was it against atalanta or leicester i can't uh, remember no it was against i feel like he scored a goal that was a good that oh yeah no it was against leicester because that was an equalizer at the time my god um bad shudders uh but yeah we didn't then immediately collapse and concede three goals which was nice I mean, Tottenham had chances. United didn't have that many high-quality chances. We've talked about the, the the chances they did create. I do think this was partly the sheer lack of pressure on United um, meant that we weren't throwing the kitchen sink at them at any point. Um, and then once once it was 2-0, this game was done and dusted. Yeah. Spurs fans... Spurs, Spurs sees 1.16 HG, but um, 0.86 of that 1.16 were from corners, basically. Yeah. So... Well, that's, I mean, that's a very good route to goal against Man United. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a, a, a great win for, I mean, loved by the travelling Reds that were there. Yep. If Ole's time is, is limited, I'm sure they were glad to get another kind of moment of connection with him because that relationship between that group of supporters and Solskjaer has been unbelievably special. Um, I mean, that's been unbelievably special when he was a player. That's one of the, one of the things about his like time at the club was the level to which he was beloved by the fans, not just for 1999, but um, for his you know relentless hard work and his kind of never complaining about being on the bench and his sheer like love of United. Um, so that you know that love story at least had one more nice chapter. Yes, um, and he got to talk about you well, know the character of the lads and and this club as. He does yeah. um, afterwards, and you know he 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 can feel very happy about that performance, and he he was you know yeah. giving it a bit of fist pumping on the the sidelines. He's managed to turn it around. 
I don't know how many crises there have been, but there have been many and there will be more. Yeah, and, and it's like, has he turned it around or are Spurs really bad? Like those, those we'll find out. Um, if that is a galvanising result and they go on a little run, I don't think any of us would be particularly shocked. I do think, I do think it is very worth pointing out that um, he was instrumental in in this win because he completely changed the tactical yeah. setup of the side, tried something completely new, and it worked. It, it did. So, there, there was that thing well floating done. around on the internet, and I have no idea about the veracity of this story. But the story basically goes. McKenna and Carrick, who take most of the training sessions, have been training with a three-five-two a lot this season. Think, you know, with the idea that that is the system that would um, get the best out of this team. And then Phelan and and Solskjaer come in and pick the team and the tactics, and it's all completely different. And there's a complete disconnect in the social. In the, it can't, it can't be true can in it? the specificity like that. I mean, I, I read that and thought, well, that scans a little bit that there might be some dysfunction in the coaching because we've seen it on the pitch. Yeah, Definitely. But, I mean, if that is true, then McKenna and Carrick both want sacking because you can't just be like, no, 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 this is the formation we should play. And we're just going to train the formation we should play. It's yeah. like, well, th- how about we train the formation we play, lads? Well, like, well yes, and, and, so and I don't know what don't the level of this, you know conversation is uh, around that. But look, either way, it, it is true, and I think you know fairly well confirmed that that McKenna and Carrick take most of the sessions, and Solskjaer does not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know, coming back to the debate around coaching, which we've had a lot over the last few weeks. Um, and the wisdom of of putting a couple of learners in charge of an F1 car, which is basically what, what we've got, you know, and they may be brilliant. They may be. Hard to say. Well, it doesn't, doesn't look like it, it does, does it? It doesn't when it translates to what we've had on the pitch for most of the time. Anyway, turn back to your point, Oli deserves a lot of credit. He made the change. He made the change and he got the best out of United for this game. We'll see what it means yep. going forward. We've got a... Interesting looking game against At- Atlanta. They were dreadful at Old Trafford as well, um, and you know they were they were very positive for the first forty five minutes, and they just completely crumbled. And it wasn't really surprising given they had three of their first choice defenders out, and then lost another one in the middle of the game, um, and were mm. playing two midfielders and a teenager in their back three after that. Um, so we know what they want to do. They want to be high pressing. They get their wing backs um, really high up the pitch. Um, and it creates overloads, and and you know I, I assume they're going to be better in Wednesday's game than they were last week. Yeah, I mean it, the United's performance against them was so bad in that first half. United are going to be better as well, I would imagine. Um, I'd be surprised if we were as just open and just pathetic, really, as we were in the first half. The first half that I will always think of for the Paul Scholes quote, that first half put me off the second half. To be <laughs> it's a great line. Um, when, <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, and it, the, the I, I find it completely impossible to predict what's going to happen in this game. I mean, there's part of me that thinks, actually, United will play that same system that they did. Pogba might come in for McTominay. They'll be uh, more robust and solid and they'll still have more than enough going forward to trouble Atalanta in the space that's left particularly if Pogba's in there and you've got progressive passing you've played Pogba on the right of the midfield too 
um, and he can like fill in the areas where Wambasaka, you know, he can support Wambasaka and and be an attacking threat down that side. You're you're now talking about a system that potentially works going forward and backwards, um, so uh, that could work and. United could go a couple of goals down. If he plays a back four, they could get really flaky again. I mean, I think Varane being back is massive oh, sure. as well. Yeah, That's another another huge yes, factor. Yes, he's going to help um, Harry Maguire along. Not that you should really have to help an £80 million defender. But, you know, hey, it does. Um, it, it, I almost think it's like, it, on one hand, you, that might be right to say he's helping him. But it's more like... Lindelof is really hurting him and he's, he's like Varane is not actively yes. hurting him in yes. any way. I mean, yes. The, the Lindelof and Maguire... I know United's defence wasn't that bad last season, actually. I mean, not that far off the best defensive teams in the league. Oh, but, but, but there's some... The United's defensive, defensive record, record wasn't bad. United's defence yes. was. Anyway, I mean, I, I think, you know, whoever's fit and um, Atlanta have drawn, drew yesterday against Lazio, uh, beat Sampdoria in midweek and uh, drew with Udinese. So that's their three games since they played us. Looks like they've got some of their um, players back. Although Darun played in uh, the back three yesterday and he's a midfielder. But, um, you know, we know how they're going to play. Zabacosta and Mela will get forward a lot um, and they will press high. They played Zapata up front yesterday as well and I do think he's he is the kind of player that will give Lindelof trouble in particular um and 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 Maguire because he's you know he's he's got good movement um but you know the the third that I'm I'm 100% certain although of course you know I've been proven to have gotten many things wrong in football over the years but I'm 100% certain that the back three will be persisted with there's no way he's going to a more open yeah. system for this game um, and it should give United some security. The you know, question is, will they will they be out of trouble Atalanta? If it's an open Atalanta like they were at Old Trafford, then yes, probably will have enough. Yep. And there's such res- ridiculous game-changing firepower to bring on yep. from the bench. So there's that. And then there's, um, there's a big one on Sunday. Early, sun- early kick-off well, on lost- Sunday. Um, is it Sunday or Saturday? Saturday early. early. Saturday early. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, the. I mean, they just got towed up by Crystal Palace, which was a surprising result. It's Palace fair to good. say, yeah, got some know. good goals as well. Uh, Zaha was on fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Palace just are good, and we'll talk about that in the backers' content. Vieira doing a tremendous job at Palace so far. Um. But yeah, I mean, City, City, City have got some problems. They they are they're in a weird space as a team, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if they win the Champions League and the league. Like that's entirely possible. But they are in a weird space as a team. There's um, so like we would have known how Pep's Barcelona would play in pretty much what the starting eleven yeah. was. But there does seem to be a little bit more instability about the starting eleven uh, at City. Maybe it's just because he's got way better options available to him. He has. I mean, Sterling's out of the picture at the moment, but we, we, you know, he played Foden as a false nine against Palace, and Jesus on the right, and Grealish off the left. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that again. Yeah. But it'll be some kind of version of that. He's he's obviously he's lost Laporte for the United game because he'll be suspended. I guess Stones, who is now out of favour again after being re in favour 
last season will will come into the side. Everything else picks itself. I don't know what balance exactly he'll play in midfield. Uh, he played Silva, De Bruyne and Rodri as his three midfield. Rodri, the slightly deeper one. Sometimes he brings Gundogan in, but Gundogan's been kind of more of an eight this season, pushing forward, mm. um, as he was last season, to be fair. So, yeah, plenty of options. They will have 70% of the ball, and, and United will play that back three, back five, and, and try and play it very narrow in order that they can't just walk the goal in, you know, the, the, the pep goal. I mean, it's sad, but we just need to play really narrow and like because the amount of interplay and movement, it's just it's just like feels like United kryptonite, the way that their front three interact. Grealish and Foden definitely feel like United kryptonite in terms of their movement and interplay. You know, that's... Yes, and the the extra defensive man will be really useful there. I I do, I do kind of worry, or my my concern is, will United be able to get it forward at all? Because we've beaten them with quick guys going forward in the past, and Solskjaer has beaten City three times, I think. Yeah, Um, and uh, it's it's the the last one United actually had more of the ball in that one, and and were more dominant. The two nil at the Etihad, I think I'm right in saying it's that one, but. But previously, it's been sit deep, try and break. If he plays a similar side to the one against Spurs, there's not a lot of pace there, is there? You know, Bruno, Cavani, Ronaldo are not going to be charging forward on quick breaks. Mm, Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Right. So predictions. Um, I I, I think we'll get something out of this Atlanta Atlanta game. Atlanta. Atlanta game. Um, So I'm going to say a 2-1 victory there and that should be enough to take United through maybe just one more one more point will be needed yeah 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 I think after that 3-0 I, I'm yeah I'll, I'll whatever uh wh- whatever has just happened will be the next thing that happens so um yeah I'll go with uh, a United victory against Atalanta 2-1 but I don't I do not think we're going to beat City in fact I think I think we're going to lose to them but then that's good because I thought we're going to lose to them every single time we've beaten them so why change the habit of uh, all that time I'm going to say a 2-1 win to City yeah um I mean it's it's hard to predict United will score no goals because of all the potential mm. firepower but um yeah I, I I don't know how, and Solskjaer may surprise me, I don't know how United will get enough of or any of the ball and cause City enough problems. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 victory to City. Hopefully I'm completely wrong and I've misread Solskjaer again. You can cause City problems by attacking them. I mean, you know, Zaha just tortured them and we've got yes. players that can run at them with the ball and um you can just if you just attack city city of the death star right you've just got to get into that channel straight down the middle and find that little thing the size of a want rat or whatever and that's that's how you do it <laughs> i mean palace have got players with a lot of movement um, and in Odson Edward and Wolf Zahar and Ayu played up front yesterday. A constant, constant movement. But so, like, I mean, so do United. So yeah, can United can, in theory. Can. Even and even Ronaldo moves around a lot when when the ball's in the final third. So yes, you know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, we'll be back with another one of these next week. Thanks, especially to our Patreon backers for whom there is more content coming right now. Um, you can get in touch with the show on social media stuff where uh, we are at NQAT pod on pretty much everything. Um, and yeah, I'll be there f- 
not for much longer, but uh, even for for now. Um, I had a few more incredibly lovely messages. So I just wanted to shout out everyone that said that, um, said nice stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Patreon backers, stay tuned. All right. See you next week, folks. <laughs>